Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, NBA play-in games tonight and tomorrow and Friday. Who you got coming out of the East and West? Uh, I got the Sonics winning in the West, and I got the Sonics winning in the East. And then I like the Sonics... To win the championship over the Sonics. No, I, I, yeah, I think Brooklyn's way too good to not well, win. Well, I mean, yeah, last yeah. I checked right before, yeah. right before taping here at 8.30, yeah. we, uh, I yeah. think I saw them up by at least 12 at half. So, yeah. I think the West one's a little more interesting, though. I can see three of those. I can't see San Antonio getting to that playoff spot, but I can see three of those teams uh, winning and losing because I just don't think it's very good that – Western Conference is pretty darn top heavy, but uh, it's fun. The play-in games are are interesting. How do you it's feel just about nice. the play-in games? I, I I really liked it for the shortened season because it it was the fairest way mm-hmm. to do it. Now it just kind of see, feels like a cash grab. Like earn the playoff spot. You play eighty-two games. You yeah, know who the eight best teams are. So that's how I would do it. But I admit it makes sense in a shorter season to have a little bit more added incentive but if you're going to play a full 82 games just take the top eight yeah i think there's something weird about the idea that like the 10th best team in the east can theoretically make the postseason in this conversation you know what i mean like that just that that, although i was literally just having this conversation with friends like the Mm -hmm. nba has done such a good job of upping its playoff value but has done such a bad job has just lowered the regular season value to such unnecessary levels you know guys sitting out every the back end of every single back-to-back you know like all of these things you know stars just basically saying like i need to just play enough games to make sure my team's in the postseason and then things get real and i'm all for that because i get it i would do the exact same thing if i was them but like oh it's just it isn't as much fun especially for all those people who have to pay for seats over and over again. I'm a New no. York Knicks fan, so if I want to go see the team, I only have to pay like $250 in my firstborn to get there. So it's pretty <laughs> nice just to wow. see them lose by 22 to Phoenix. So it's a, it's a good time. As someone who would kill for the chance to pay $250 to the basketball team that got stolen from me, I can't complain too much, but I do get it. Like it's the concern for a lot of sports is making the regular season something that matters. And the problem is, is that that playoff money, man, it's tough to say no to. So it's it's not an easy situation 
I just don't think any of the commissioners have handled it particularly well. So coming up on the show today, Chris and I are going to make some bold statements based on early results from around the majors, and we're going to decide whether they are realistic or just simply an overreaction. Have some hot takes of your own. Make sure you are writing in your thoughts and comments on YouTube and Twitch if you're watching this live, and we'll weigh in on those as well. So sit back and enjoy maybe the greatest podcast episode of all time. Absolutely <laughs> no overreaction there. Also, a quick scheduling note here at Cycling the Bases, as we have expanded our coverage to five days a week. A different flavor for each day of the week means there is always a new reason to tune in daily to keep up on everything across the fantasy baseball landscape. We will have shows every Monday through Friday with three live shows on Tuesday, as you're watching now, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. So be sure to tune in live at 8.30 Eastern on our YouTube and Twitch channels to join in on the conversation. So let's get to some of the early season results. And boy, Chris, before we get into them, God, it just feels good to get baseball back. It feels it really so good does. to get baseball back. The, <laughs> for me, again, as a Yankee fan, like Yankee Red Sox opening day with the extra inning walk-off, like it was everything that I've been waiting since uh, since they lost to the Red Sox just six months ago. So this was everything that I've been looking for. I'm so pumped that baseball is back. And, and so far, the first week of the season has not disappointed. It has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we, we kind of, it, I don't want to say take it for granted, but like regular season baseball is just so good. I love postseason baseball. I can watch spring training baseball to a point, but there is something about that grind that I just love. Part of it is, you know, loving fantasy baseball is, is part of it because that, that's a lot of the fun, but just having a chance to turn on your television, especially it's nice on the West coast. Like I could turn on my TV yeah, from like 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. and I'm going to find a baseball game. And that's so great. And I'm so nice to be able to say that for the next six months or so. It really is. All right. So yeah. let's get to tonight's topic. So what we are going to do is we are going to, we've, we, Chris and I have live on baseball Twitter. We are constantly looking around, seeing yeah. whatever foolishness or or true gems that are written out there in the Twitterverse. And we are going to start talking just in general about some overreactions, or I should say some takes that people have said, some takes that we each have, and we're going mm -hmm. to decide whether they are real or whether this is simply an overreaction over the first week and okay. or anything in between. So like I said, before, if you are listening to this live and watching this live on YouTube or Twitch, first off, hey, thank you for listening. Secondly, thank you. please, if you have any fantasy hot takes over the first week or so of the season that you want to get out there, we'd love to judge whether they are mm -hmm. real or or an overreaction. We're going to start with, I think, a good one, one that I know Chris is just eager, eager yeah. to agree with. The statement, Byron Buxton will win the American League MVP. Chris, is that real or an overreaction? It's an overreaction, but not by a lot. Like if Byron Buxton is healthy, he has a chance to win lots of MVPs. But I just think Luis Robert is going to win it this year. And I just happen to be – some of this is – I picked it before the season. I picked it in our podcast stuff. But some of this is I just watched him hit a homer and steal two bases against the Mariners today. And otherwise, spectacular debut from Matt Brash, the only – Real negative was that home run to Robert. I just think he's going to win it because I think he's going to play on the better team. But I think Byron Buxton has a real shot to win. That home run he hit off of Andres Munoz is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Like for those of you watching live on YouTube and Twitch, you can see that ball was here. 
Yeah. At 101 it miles per hour with movement. And he crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. I joked about it on Twitter. 70% of hitters don't hit the pitch, period. They just swing through it. 29% of hitters, if they do hit it, are just going to pop it up to the catcher or the third baseman. And then the other percent is Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is the guy who is capable of doing that. I am really impressed with what I've seen so far. I expect the numbers to be huge. But because of the – I guess there's a little bit – I haven't – proven this but i guess there's a little bit of injury history with byron buxton we'll look it up after the podcast and two two i just think chicago's a better baseball team and i think i think Luis robert is such a gosh darn star man i really think that this is his year but it's not as crazy as an overreaction as you might want to make it started at 45 to 1 odds on february 22nd now at 12 to 1 to win wow. fifth, now fifth on the list um, wow. already three home runs this season and he leads major league baseball in total bases so far on the year with 16 entering today leads yeah. all qualified hitters in barrel percentage and expected slugging so far on the very, Just very stupid season. Just um, stupid. he looks great by the way, the only other time I could think of someone, and again, it's recency bias, but the only time I could think of someone hitting the pitch that high, that fast is when Shohei opening day last year. If you remember that one where he hit, yeah probably about like 98 from four and a half feet above the plate and just crushes it. So yeah, it's that and jazz Chisholm is the only yeah, two people I've seen. Right. Somebody I was do also something thinking of that like one. That. Yeah. So Buxton, I think it's closer to an overreaction than it is real for AL sure. MVP, just cause I worry that much about the injury. Like we saw how great he was in April of last year and yeah. this didn't change our kind con- he wasn't in the MVP race at the end of the season cause he was injured. So right. I'm not well, I'm not ready to throw my, my money into the Byron Buxton MVP pool just yet, but boy, is this every, everyone who has been sitting here just kind of like lapping up on the, like I'm a Byron Buxton hater and I'm going to be right about it. (laughs) Just watch the first week of the season and went, Oh boy. Like, Oh boy. I put a lot of my, yeah, exactly. Hot collar. I put a lot of my capital into the hate on Byron Buxton. It doesn't look great. Speaking of another player who with injury history, who has come out swinging Giancarlo Stanton, Mm. Two home runs in his first two games. Entering the, the day, 10 balls have been hit above 115 miles an hour this year. John Carlos Stanton has six of them. From <laughs> July- so the statement to make, John Carlos Stanton hits 50-plus home runs and leads the American League in home runs. Chris, real or overreaction? I think it's real and an overreaction. I don't think he's getting to 50 home runs I do think he's going to lead the majors in okay. home runs. And some of that has to do with the fact that I just don't think we're going to see a lot of guys approach that 50 homer mark this year because of time off injuries and stuff like that. It's really rare to get to that 50 mm-hmm. mark. Vladdy Jr. certainly has a chance. Oh my gosh, that home run he hit too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that just, I mean, that, that, if my dogs were sleeping, it would have woken them up. It's, it was just one of those loud, loud home runs but i do think stanton is going to lead the league in homers and it's of course have to be cognizant of the fact that this guy has just had injury history throughout and that's what's going to happen when you're built more like an edge rusher than an outfielder but like you just look at how hard he hits the baseball and how good he's been really since the start of last season and that's part of what one of the main reasons i'm believing is I am carrying over a little bit of what he did in 2021 into 2022 and of the ballpark he plays in. You can't really pitch him around him that much because you've got some solid players around him. I do think he'll lead the league in homers, but I'll bet it'll be closer to like 44 or 45 compared to 50. 
Okay, I'm, I'm with you on leading the American League in home runs as well. I I, I don't know if he gets the 50, but yeah. I think he leads the American. Like I I think he just looks locked in. Just let me give you a stat from this from July 30th last year, which by the way, just to give you a date, is the first day that he played the outfield, and okay. he has stated that since even playing the outfield a couple times a week just keeps him more involved. Sure. From July 30th last year onward. He hit 297 with 19 home runs and 51 RBIs across 253 plate appearances. For those of you playing on a, what is that on a 162 per game basis? That's 53 home runs and 142 RBIs. And again, we're not expecting those numbers, but boy, 80% of that is very much in play. So yeah, yeah, I think John Carlos Stan has been the, Draft capital you had to spend on him was great considering the injury history is so tied to him. If he can sure. play 130-plus games this year, boy, you're going to get some great value for wherever you ended up drafting him. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's flip over to the mound now. And the guy who shut Giancarlo Stanton and the Yankees down on Monday night, Alec Manoa. Chris, he dazzled on Monday against the Yankees, giving up one hit across six scoreless innings, striking out seven, picking up the W. Alex Manoa had a phenomenal rookie year last year, really stepped onto the seam against the same Yankees and crushed them. And seems to like pitching at Yankee Stadium, by the way. Uh, he is now he is now locked in basically as one of the five number two starters that Toronto seemingly has. Alec Manoa, does he end the season a top 10 starter? This is the hardest one because I think he's right around that, but 10 is so aggressive. For a pitcher in his second year, I'll take the risk and go. Risk and go. Yes, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be between 11 and 15, but I'll also take the fun risk and say that he ends up 10. I think people don't realize just how good this dude was mm-hmm. last year. Like you just take a look at the ERA, that's fine, but he was in the 93rd percentage in avoiding hard hits. He was in the 89th perspected, 89th percent, excuse me, in expected batting average, 79 percent in K percentage, 75 percent in WHIP. And the thing about Alec Manoa is, like, he's built to be that 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 guy a, who can give he's you. He's got a Felix Hernandez built, doesn't he? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, well, like, like just really yeah. well built. Like, just seems like ready to go for a long period. Felix has redacted actress name here type of history with weight, so it was like it it changed quite a bit, fluctuated. Sure. But Alec Manoa is like. He's so sturdy. And like Felix was so sturdy in those times. He doesn't have the same stuff as Felix, but it's very good. Like he gets yeah, his yeah. fastball. Not into comparing that 94. Stuff, yeah. No, of course not. But um, his slider is filthy. Um, mm-hmm. I love the team that he's playing for. The win is going to matter for that top 10 stat. So I'll say, yeah, I will. I'd, I'd prefer to say 11 to 15, but yeah, sure. Why not? So if I say if I change this conversation to Alex Manoa ends the season as a top fifteen starter, real yeah, it's real. Reaction. It's very real, like real. That's real, real like, for me too. I, yeah, that's, that, that's to weird. Too, yeah. It's a five person difference, but it just feels different. You know what I mean? Well, look, I think there's just so many good pitchers out there, there that are. when you start talking top ten, boy, we're talking rarefied air, and it's really tough to start picking apart the the resumes between them. But I'm with you. If fine, we'll change this to top fifteen starter. I'm I, I'm true. Like, absolutely. I think this is real. I think he is um, just continues to show in spring training. He looks really good. We have not seen him have a bad stretch as a professional yet. And I think that just shows there's been plenty of times for hitters and and hitting coaches to to catch up to his stuff. 
and they still aren't yet. They had an entire offseason, and so far they sure. still haven't. So right now I am all aboard the Alec Manoa train. I think he is – wherever you got him on draft day, you're getting great value for him. Yeah. Sticking in the American League, let's go with uh, – okay, here, this is a fun one. Eloy Jimenez, mm-hmm. injured for most of last season, came back, was not the same player, but we saw what he could be in the short in 2020 season. We know what the potential is there. He has five RBIs through his first three games of the season, not including today. Still, all of that, by the way, without an extra base hit. So, Chris, I'll ask you the question, real or overreaction, Eloy Jimenez, not Jose Abreu, will lead the White Sox in RBIs this season? I'm going to go real, which is risky because it just seems like Jose Abreu always just figures out a way to be among the league leaders. You want the stat? I've got the stat for you. I would love to hear the stat. He has failed to reach 100 RBIs only once in 2018 when he got 78, yeah. not including the short in 2020 season where he had 60 RBIs in, oh, 60, well on games, pace. Yeah. 60, RBIs in 60 games when he won yeah. MVP. And right. he has led the White Sox in RBIs in every season of his career dating back to 2014. So for the last seven seasons, since his rookie season, he has led the team in RBIs. Does Eloy Jimenez take the title from him? I think yes, only because of the fact that I think he's going to – Eloy Jimenez is going to have the benefit of getting to drive in both Robert and Abreu when he gets on base as well as Tim Anderson at the top of that lineup. Whereas Abreu really won't get that – he doesn't get the chance to drive in Lamantha. So it, it's not quite fair, but I will go with I will go with Jimenez leading – I expect both of them to be over 100 RBIs on the season. Yeah. I think that actually you can see – Quite a few guys. That Chicago lineup is really, really good. It's close, but I will say that Jimenez, just because of the fact that he gets to drive in all three of those guys at the top of the lineup, compared to Abreu only, <laughs> only getting the chance to drive in Anderson and Robert. That's a very fair. I, I didn't think about that when I put the question together, and now you've changed me. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm but now I kind of feel more real about it because you're right. Sure. The way that. Larusa has set up this lineup so far is that right Abreu in front of in front of Jimenez and yep. Abreu gets on base very well. I mean he's he's sure. a great walker, he's a great OBP guy, and sure. I mean he's also a great uh, average with runners in scoring position guy, and that's the reason why Abreu has been so dominant he's in so the RBI category yeah. for since his, his entire career. Um, but again, if he gets on base, then Eloy Jimenez is right behind him. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you now on this. I've changed my mind on this live. Uh, I'll go Jimenez here, but boy, that is, I think that is a very an close, excellent, an excellent, yeah. like four, five, three, four, however they oh, decide yeah. to put that together. Sure. Cause boy, there's not a lot of strikeouts in this conversation either. Like there's, there's, there's just really good play from both of them. Yeah. And also by the way, so today Yasmani Grandal was the DH and hit yes. cleanup. So Eloy Jimenez had the chance to drive in Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal. And that is a really, really good. All due respect to the bottom of the lineup, you know, guys like Josh Harrison and yep. Andrew Vaughn, who has looked great. He's looked great no, so far, yeah. No issues with the injury so far. It's just a different scenario. Like, we're not talking about the same type of legitimate all-stars. Some of these guys, maybe even Cooperstown conversations at some point in their career. A little different than, all due respect to spunky Josh Harrison and unproven uh, Adam Vaughn. And by the way, Eloy Jimenez did drive in a run today. Uh, did he get one as well? Okay, thank he, he you. Did. I was, I was yeah. just looking that up. Six, Six already. Six already on the year. That'll, that'll yeah. certainly help the conversation. For sure. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the 2022 MLB season is underway and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a special offer. If you've listened to the show, you know what the offer is coming. Get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. That's right. Say it with me now. BASES22. Get expert insight and access to tools that will give you an edge against your competition at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use the promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. I just realized this looks more like Richard Nixon than it does doing. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. It's less, it's it's less about air quotes and just (laughs) like, I'm not a crook. You know, like I'm trying to get my Taylor Swift on and feeling 22. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, at some point, I'm going to need to hear you sing a couple bars of that. That's all I'm at. At some point, I'm going to need her on the podcast. Like I, I have I'm a really good guest that. next week. If, but if there are any Swifties out there on, who, have a, who, yeah. have a, who have a track, I'm in. Like, please, let's go. Can you go. even imagine? Do you think our server could handle the traffic? All due respect. Uh, I guarantee you it can't. I guarantee <laughs> I'm 110% sure. It'd, it'd, it'd be really fun to try, though. I'm, I'm guarantee you. Twitch doesn't even care. Like, no, we just can't. <laughs> So, by the way, as we continue these bold statements and decide what is real or an overreaction, please make sure you guys, if you are watching this live, write in whatever comments you have. We'd love to talk about them as well. Let's move over to a very impressive debut from Hunter Green. Mm -hmm. Through five innings against the Braves, striking out seven, walking two, and allowing three earned runs in case you were wondering. Yeah, he he brought the heat to the majors. He hit triple digits on the gun, 20 20 <laughs> times. Oh, good Lord. And yeah. I watched him. I watched every inning of his start and wow, did he look the part of an ace yeah. or a guy who is stepping onto the mound on the majors for the first time. Fun fact, his teammate and fellow top pitching prospect. And Chris, you can talk about this in your response a little bit. Nick Nadolo <laughs> will also <laughs> make his debut on Wednesday. You touch about that in your response, but sure. I'll ask, I'll pose you the question. Hunter green. Should he be the favorite? for National League Rookie of the Year, real or overreaction? Well, first, I do want to say that he was super impressive. I talked about this on the Monday podcast, but like 
how easy he gets to that hundred oh, degree or hundred miles per hour. He's triple. Yeah. There's there's very little effort in that delivery. He's so athletic and has such strong arms. Unfortunately, though, I do have to say it's an overreaction, and it has less to do with Hunter Green than it does Seiya Suzuki. I think Seiya Suzuki, like I, we both predicted him to win NL Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. in our predictions, I believe. He looked great. It's very funny that there were some people worrying about the power because (laughs) there's lots of power in that dude's bat. And I like the situation he has. It's again, it's disrespectful is the wrong word because this ward is literally named after Jackie Robinson, who was Mm -hmm. far from a rookie when he got his chance to play. And one of the most certainly the most important player in baseball history. So it's, it's not so much, it's just weird to call him a rookie because of what he's done uh, in Japan. But I think you have to make him a prohibitive favorite to win the award. Um, And by the way, Nick Lodolo, a guy who could probably get it. I think Nick Lodolo is a better real life pitching prospect than a fantasy prospect, because I think it's more about ability to command. He certainly can miss bats, but I don't think he's going to miss bats in an elite level. Um, I have him ranked third on my prospect list uh, for the week behind O'Neill Cruz and Adley Rutschman, who both are not going to make their major league debut anytime soon, which kind of speaks to, yes, I do think he has a chance for success. And who's he, pl- who, who are the, they playing on Wednesday again? Oh, I, I want to say I'm so, Miami. I'm so I sorry to, to hold I want to say Miami, up. but I'm, I might be it's, incorrect. It's not a very difficult debut for either one, and I apologize for putting you on the spot there. But no I, so I do, I do think there's a chance for success. But I do a similar kind of to Reed Detmers, where I believe better real life pitcher than a guy who is going to just come in and change the world. But oh, it's against Cleveland, who has been a really Cleveland, up and right down up. offense. I, but I think that is a a fairly soft landing spot. Mm-hmm. But long story short, Seiya Suzuki, I think, has to be the overwhelming favorite for NL Rookie of the Year right now. I mean, hit two home runs today, which I think yeah. just that says something there. Has three home runs now on the year. Is hitting four sixteen on the year. Kind of uh, play. Put, putting a lot of putting a lot of uh, shamers to to bed <laughs> because boy, yes. he looks the part. Um, also, I think there's got to be, and again, we're unbelievably small sample size. So we're putting all of this, all of this entire show is in the small sample size conversation, but sure. you got to figure there might be a couple teams after the first week that are kind of kicking themselves. They didn't, they didn't go down the, uh, they didn't go down his pathway a little bit more. Oh yeah. The agency. Yeah. Sure. Uh, just cause it seemed like a, the contract that he signed seemed like a very affordable contract for many teams. Uh, tripping back to Hunter green. Yes. I think it's, overreaction that Hunter Green should be the favorite for NL Rookie of the Year simply because Seiya Suzuki has been so good. Also, right. going against Hunter Green is the fact that he is a young pitcher who mm-hmm. is probably on some version of an innings limit, who, no is almost, about it. who is almost hurt by the fact that he broke camp with the club rather than coming up yep. two months from now and being able to kind of go to the end of the year. It's almost assuredly he's not going to be pitching every four days, five days from now to right. the end of the season. So... Um, so I think that just kind of takes, I think it's hard for any pitcher to win rookie of the year nowadays, just simply because of the innings limits that are tied to them. So I think it's tough. Uh, although for you betting minds out there, he moved from nine to one, uh, he moved from plus 900 to plus 550 in NL rookie Mm. of the year odds since February 22nd. So also, I think one of the factors that's in this Hunter Green conversation and goes for Nick Nadolo as well, especially for those out there who are interested in rostering him before his debut tomorrow, Mm -hmm. is that 
what do the Reds do when Luis Castillo and Mike Minor return from injury? At some point, right. they're going to need to be re-entered into this lineup. Do they sure. go to a six-man? Is you know, do does Lodolo struggle in his first start? Does Hunter Green struggle in his next start? And they decide to do some movement. All of that is possible. I just don't know if the spots are locked in there enough for me to for me to be diving into the Hunter Green Rookie of the Year. That being yeah. said, boy, yeah. I absolutely loved that this- debut, and I am all aboard the Hunter Green train moving forward. It was so cool to see for a guy who missed so much time, some of it because of the pandemic, but because of injury as well. And I think people forget too. Hunter Green is still 22 years old. Like he's been around for so long drafted in 2017, but like there's so much upside there. And again, a guy, I think is uh, without the numbers in front of me, I think is high for innings pitch is like 106. There's no way he's getting to like the 150, 160 that I think you would need to say that he's rookie of the year, but I won't bet against a kid because he is a confident young man and for a reason. And he is really, really fun to watch. It's been fun. It was, it was super fun on Sunday anyway. Yeah. It's rare that I grab my fiance and be like, come over here. Like, what <laughs> come over here and look at this guy throw and like, look how easy it is. And uh, she was just so genuinely sick. impressed by just how yeah. fast he was thrown with. <laughs> it just comes off his arm. All right. Crazy. Uh, speaking of impressive, let's talk about the man of the first week, the Yerman Mercedes of 2022. And that is Stephen Kwan of the cards. Boy, welcome to the majors, buddy. He just kind of doesn't strike out through his first four games. He is nine for 13. That's a 692 average and a 790 OP OBP with Jeez. six runs scored and a game clinching bases clearing triple in the bottom of the eighth inning on Monday. He has not struck out this year. He didn't strike out in spring training and he has seen 53 pitches uh, entering today and he has not swung and missed on any of them. So uh, I think that's called Play discipline? Play discipline, I think is the word. That I think <laughs> yeah. All right, so the question I will ask you, sir, Stephen Kwan, real or overreaction, not this start because this is uh, none of this is yeah. sustainable, but does yeah. he need to be rostered in, in all 12-team standard leagues, real or overreaction? Yeah, I think he does. I think he absolutely needs to be rostered in every league because part of it is because – if the lull happens, oh, flipping well. Like, you, you, you're going to have to turn your roster over. You might as well see if Stephen Kwan is for real. And everything about the eye test that I watched, I after seeing that start in that 5-for-5 five five game, I was like, you know, I talked to scouts a little bit about him but didn't have a great feel for him. He could hit, man. He has great feel for the barrel. It's not just about the fact that he's patient. It's the fact that he can – has such good bat-to-ball skills and such a good eye for what pitch is coming that he's just not going to strike out a ton. It's especially valuable, I think, in points leagues. By the way, he went uh, one for two today and drew two walks, and I think his on-base percentage went down, which is just like it's so crazy that you can reach in three out of four times, and I think his on-base percentage – it's at 750 right now, which after the after today's game, just stupid. Like that, That's obviously not sustainable. My concern here is there's not a ton of power and he hasn't run yet. Like he certainly has the wheels. If anybody saw that triple, he has the speed Mm -hmm. to run, but he hasn't proven it yet. So I think this is a two category player, but a two category player at the bottom of your bench is it's worth having. I absolutely think you have to roster Quan. Do you have to be prepared for the fact that you might have to drop him if he's really hurting you in the Homer category or the stolen base category? Yeah, because he will go through a lull. This is just, impossible to sustain even a a semblance of it is impossible Mm -hmm. to to sustain. but right now have them on your roster and then make your change later because 
Better too early than too late. I will say that this is real. If you are in a five outfielder league, if you are in a three outfielder league, I will say this is an overreaction because I just don't hmm. think that he quite cuts up to that level if you're only playing three outfielders. But if you're in a five, I think he needs, but to your point, I'd rather be aggressive early in the season and just see what you got with the guy rather than, you know, just be on the outside looking in and turns out that he turns out to be like the next Jose Altuve. You know what sure. I mean? Like I, there's something about this conversation where I, I want to be ahead of the game rather than behind it. And look, okay, there is, so I'm, so I'm buying, I did, so I am in on the idea of putting him on a 12 team standard roster. When you say there's not a whole lot of power, there's borderline no power in that bat. Like, I mean, even going back to the minors, there just really isn't a whole lot of pop in that bat that's going to go over a fence. Now, obviously, he's young and he can grow into his body a little bit more. And we've seen younger, we've seen smaller players be able to to put some pop in there. But right, um, I, I worry a little bit that he is, you know, kind of a just a singles hitter. Like this could be a guy who is more of just the guy who gets on base and does not strike out. I like him a lot more in points leagues for that reason. If you're telling me that this is a guy who, by the way, in the minors walked more than he struck out. Like this is, this is not new. This is what he is. He is a right. basketball kind of player. Um, sure. The idea that I'm not going to get negative points off of strikeouts from a yeah. player is and basically just nothing but profit. I think yeah. that's worthy in just about every points league. I don't care what yeah. you're in. I think that's worth it. If, yeah. um, but in a standard league, I'm absolutely adding him at this point. He moved, by the way, from 75 to one to six to one in AL in the year voting since February 22nd. That's insane. He is now fourth on the list behind Witt, Julio Rodriguez, and Torkelson. So okay. I wanted to do some those three. Yeah, that's in Stephen Kwan. Where was he on your top ten list, Chris? That's all I'm asking. Where he was, was he? not on my? T- he was not on my top ten list. He just missed the just missed section, <laughs> and the reason being is because I just wasn't sure what kind of role he was going to have. Yeah. So, but now that he's in the lineup, like in, in, if I had the hindsight, the same thing with Jeremy Pena. If I knew he was going to be hitting closer to seventh instead of ninth, which is kind of where I thought I would have moved him up as well. I'm just doing the math really quick though on like. So in a three-team league or a three-outfielder league, if you're playing with 12 teams, you're talking about the top 36 outfielders are starting. And if let's assume you have a five-person bench, because that's what most leagues have, right? It's a five-person bench. So so you would need him to be, you think of him as a top 50 outfielder to roster him, is basically what we're saying. So I think that is at least questionable. You know what I mean? Because of the fact that he doesn't have the power. I do want to bring up the fact though that he has three extra base hits, and they are hard hit extra base oh, hits. No of question. His 10 yeah. Hits. yeah, but I just want—I just want to make that like this is not Ichiro, you know, dinking and ducking yes. the baseball later part of his career type of thing to get his average. This guy can make hard contact. So the homer category he may not help you in. The slugging percentage might still be there. Mm-hmm. Like he could be in that four ten, four twenty. It's harder to do when you don't have homers, right. but he can certainly hit the ball hard. I just, I would, again, it's, I've talked about it a bunch. I would rather be too early and then drop Stephen Kwan and say, man, remember that start to the beginning of his career. That was so insane. Then say, oh crap, why the heck didn't I drop this guy in favor of Kyle Lewis? You know, that type of thing. And again, he could be this year's Jermaine Mercedes. Like he could be a guy that a month from now we just go like, oh, well that was fun. Baseball's hard. Exactly. Like stuff catches up to you, but. Yep. I, I really like what he does. Chris, quick name game with him, just to give people an idea out there. If you're, would you rather have 
Quan or Andrew Vaughn? Also hot start. Quan, barely. It's really close, but I think I'd rather have Quan at this point. All right, Quan or Oscar Mercado, also hot start. Quan, Quan for sure. I, I'm Quan sorry, Oscar. or Benintendi? Benintendi, just barely, but Benintendi. All right, Quan or his teammate, Dylan Carlson? His teammate, Dylan Carlson. Did, did Stephen Kwan get traded? No, to I'm the, sorry. The, sorry. That's, <laughs> that's okay. That's Dylan okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I would rather have – I think we can get kind of move over to the Dylan Carlson conversation. Yes, that's why I'm bringing it to yeah. Absolutely, Dylan Carlson. Okay, good, because that's why I want to make sure that we're at that spot. Because my next <laughs> yeah. question to you, Dylan Carlson, starting off the season great. Uh, he has seemingly taken the leadoff spot in the Cards lineup. Four for 10, entering the day, four for 10 on the season with two doubles, two RBIs, and a stolen base, which is great to see just because speed could be a part of his game that he uh, can really improve upon. He has 20 25 potential if he starts moving on the bases. Um, so, question to you after a very strong first week of the year, Dylan Carlson is a top 30 outfielder, real or overreaction? I hate saying it, but I think it's an overreaction, but it has more to do with the fact. That top 30 outfielder is really good. You're talking mm -hmm. about, I think, usually top 100 player for top 30 outfielders or somewhere right around that, maybe 120 or something like that. So I think there's a chance. I just need to see him run more. It's nice to see that stolen base early on because he just didn't run a lot. But his sprint speed suggests, and ever, just watching him run suggests he can run more. But I need to see him run a little bit more. And I'm still concerned about the fact that you know, my friend Matthew – or all of our friends, Matthew Poliot, brought up the fact that, like, he did not make a lot of hard contact, and he's not making hard contact just yet either. Yeah. But I do think that there's the potential for him to be a top 30 outfielder because of his potential to steal bases. But until I see him actually run more, I'm more comfortable saying he's, like, top 40. Right in between that 30 and 40 range. But I would feel more comfortable making the bet that he's top 40 than he's top 30. Yeah, I think this is a slight overreaction as well. And I think the reason why is because he just he's not squaring up the ball it's enough so for hard. me to believe in him long term. Like I believe in the talent and he's 23 years old. Like I right. I think that he can absolutely get there. I think he could be a Jim Edmonds type for St. Louis, but I, I think there's a problem there is just the fact that he's not squaring up the ball enough. He's not making enough hard contact. And he, sure, he's got two doubles and you know, he's got four hits so far on the year, but if he's not hitting the ball hard, then those doubles are going to end up being outs. They're going to be singles. They're not going to be enough. And I don't know if he has enough power to overcome all the rest of that. So I think Dylan Carlson has absolutely top 30 potential. I think he might have top 20 potential if he started moving around the bases and a power. Yeah. Shot. But sure. I think at the moment, I'm not willing to put him into the top 30 just yet, despite of a, a, a very strong start. And more importantly, the fact that he is seemingly locked up, or at least at the moment, locked up the leadoff spot, which yep. I think definitely moves him up just inherently because sure. he should score more runs now. He should have better opportunities. He should see better pitches. He'll get mm -hmm. a couple more at-bats because of it. But uh, I still am not ready to put him inside my top 30 just yet. Yeah, it's it's not an insult to him. It's just a no. compliment to the fact that there are a lot of really good outfielders. Speaking of that, Gavin Lux just hit a home run, and I'm – so all in on him for 2022, but, uh, but yeah, it's not an insult to, it's not an insult to Dylan Carlson to say he's not a top 30 outfielder yet. And he could still be a big time fantasy helper, even if he's in that 35 to 40 range instead. All right, let's move on to the next one here. This one's a little off the pages. We haven't had a chance mm. to 
talk about, or I should say off the field. We have not had a chance to talk about this since we've had a show. So let's bring up Aaron judge here. So mm-hmm. my question to you with, and I'll get into the contract figures in a second, but my question to you, Aaron judge will regret passing on the Yankees contract extension offer after the season. Is that real or an overreaction? <laughs> It's such an overreaction. I think Aaron Judge is going to get a monster. Aaron Judge could hit like 137 and strike out in 342 at-bats, and somebody is going to give him a contract that is going to make him very happy. And if now, he has a question. So, sure. someone's going to give him a contract, no question about that. He could he could yeah. get he could injure his knee tomorrow, someone's gonna give him a contract. I sure. think the question the point of this question, I think that's that's where we're getting to is is he going to find a better contract out there than the one that the than the one that the Yankees offered and especially for what he is apparently asking for which i think last time what we've heard through through sources and such is apparently a 9 or 10 year deal with an AAV close to Trout's 35 million per yeah so here's the thing he may not get that There's a chance if he has a a poor year or an injury-riddled year that he will not get that in terms of long-term money. If Chris Bryant is getting $26 to $27 million a year, Aaron Judge is getting $30 to $35 million a Mm -hmm. year. And here's the thing about it. He may regret it. It's going to depend. This is going very uh, meta, I guess, or very uh, spiritual is. I don't think he'll regret it because he's going to be happier signing the contract with whoever he signs to deal with. I'm not saying he won't resign with the Yankees. I think that's a very real possibility. I think negotiating the contract in public is one of the pettiest things that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I do not recognize these New York Yankees, and I don't want to recognize these New York Yankees. I hate it. I think that releasing somebody how much you offered a player is extremely petty. Those things should all be kept private. But I think Aaron Judge is going to end up somewhere happy if he doesn't end up with the Yankees, and I think he's going to still get plenty of AAV. It just may not be that 10-year deal that he's looking for. I got to say, I disagree with you on one point. I wish all negotiations were wide open. No. I, 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 want, want, I, want, to I want to know, it. know at the I end of the day who no. I should be mad at when my <laughs> team doesn't find the player I want them to be. I want to know exactly, should I be angry at the GM? Should I be angry at the player? Should I be angry at the agent? I want to know exactly who I should be angry at when the conversation's dead. But you, you're going to find – the fact that Rosenthal and Passan and all of yeah. these guys are so good, you're going to get that information anyway. Eventually, I got strong sure. Kevin Mather at the Rotary Breakfast Club vibes mm, from that's, that that's, not 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 quite as of oh, no racism congratulations on that but but we remember a lot of people forget this and it's funny to mention now because jared kelnick's off to a terrible start but a lot of people forget that one of the things that he admitted was that they offered jared kelnick a contract yeah. they they literally offered jared kelnick a contract and he turned it down yeah that was the vibes i got it was just Look, man, I think that it's trying to make Aaron Judge look bad is dumb. I get it. Like, you want your fan base to be happy. It does. How is it not? Like, Aaron Judge 
what what changes by letting people know that Aaron Judge turns that down other than to know that Aaron Judge is greedy and turned down $230 million? Well, no, I think, well, one of the differences, Chris, is that you live with the nice people in the Northwest and not with the garbage people that live in, in the <laughs> area like us, okay? We that's are, ex- we that's are, part we of are, it, we though. Are savages on every single level. So that's part I, I understand of it. Brian Cashman because Brian Cashman has to read the newspaper every single day and have no and have everyone point at him and going, oh, why isn't this done yet? And Brian Cashman has to sit there and go like, um, well, I gave him a pretty good offer here. Look, <laughs> that, I think that, at the end of the day, look, is it petty? Sure. Is it unprofessional to a certain extent? Absolutely. Um, is it also the only way he might try and save his job from, from public opinion? Maybe. Uh, but, yeah. um, but I think when you get getting back to the initial point of the conversation, I don't know if judge will ever find the contract that he seemingly is looking for. Not at the age that he's signing the contract. He's going to be 30 this year. He right. seems to be pointing at a lot of contracts that players signed at like age 25, 26, 27, mm-hmm. not age 30. I think there's a little something to be had there. Um, also, I think there is a, whether or not the Yankees will regret it if he were to walk afterwards, obviously you being, a you know, in Seattle with the Mariners, this has real Robinson Cano vibes to oh, me sure. as a Yankee with this spot where another team was absolutely willing to pay him the money. Now, yeah. Robinson Cano, I think would, you know, he is very happy with the money that he made. Does right. he kind of wish maybe that he, he hasn't been to a postseason game since. So, right. You know, is there absolutely a risk involved here? Even if he gets his money, is it with a team where he falls into a quagmire where he doesn't quite is not able to get back to where he could theoretically be with the Yankees? Yes, I think all of those are options. But at the end of the day, I think Aaron Judge is the kind of calm, cool, like internal player that I think he's going to be happy with wherever he is at. He's going to be happy with whatever he gets. I don't see him. I know that the verbiage around this is that he's greedy. I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I just find him as look, he has made, I think like three, he has not made a whole lot, $30 million, I think up to this point. And that's with, you know, excellent years in arbitration. I I think he has every right, especially as a big guy of his size with his injury concerns and all the rest, like get your cash now and run with it. This is fully guaranteed money, baby. Like, Find your guy and and hit it. Like I think that's absolutely fair. I have no problem with him doing what he's doing. So I think it's an overreaction that Aaron Judge will regret passing on this contract. I think he will either find a similar contract with the Yankees at the end of the season, or he will find a similar contract, if not a potentially better one elsewhere. I will say this too with the Aaron Judge thing, just to close that out. The fact that there are 15 more designated hitter spots is really going yeah, to help good Aaron point. Judge. Very good point. Because he's a, certainly a solid outfielder now, but we know how this works. Like being his size, things are going to break down, and you're probably going to need to make him a DH at some point. So, But if you're a National League team, what an excellent designated hitter to have. Yeah, could not agree more. And, and theoretically, I know we worry about his size and catching up the fastballs later in his career and things like that, but like, um, boy – and not, not only are you getting such a professional hitter in every way, shape, or form, but you're also right. getting like face of the franchise that sure. play, that players and fans love. So you know Absolutely. What? he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Let's go over to Wander Franco, who just signed his big money contract. He's already got his money before Aaron Judge has, even at his age. The statement, Wander Franco, okay. he will finish in the top <laughs> 10 in batting average in baseball. Is this real or an overreaction? No, it's very real, man. Like, I I just think that this guy has probably 
the best young hit tool that I've ever seen. And it's crazy that he's still just 21 years old. Part of this has to do with the fact that top 10 is a lot different than it used to be. Like we're no longer seeing the guys who hit 320, 330 being in that range. It's more about if you're over 300, you got a chance for a, what they call the batting title. I absolutely refuse to call it that. I don't know why batting average became the batting title, but like, it's a small sample, but look what he's already, he's 97th in expected batting average. He's hard 78th percentile on hard hit percentage. Like he's just a special player. Like don't think he's going to hit 600 like he's doing right now, nine for 15 to begin the year. But I think he's going to win a batting title pretty soon. Again, I can't believe I just used that phrase after insulting it. But I do think that Wander Franco, it could be this year that he ends up leading the league in batting average. And I think top 10, I'll even go as far as saying it's a borderline lock. I, I think that is a lock. I was about to repost the question to you because truthfully, I think it's like put it at top five. Is one, yeah. is he is he top five in batting average yep. at the end of this year? I think so. As long as he's healthy. I think yes. I think yes, yeah. he is. The only player that like, if you had to make the bet for like who was going to have a higher average, the only one I think I would do, even with the fact that I think he's going to get walked so much is Juan Soto. That's the only player I think who is more likely to have a higher average than Wander Franco. And I know that's saying a lot for a 21 year old shortstop who has such a limited sample size, but you just watch him yeah. hit man. And he makes so much hard contact. I am excited to see what will be he can do average wise, and super excited to see what Juan Soto can average can do. I'm against banning the shift, but I'm excited to see what those averages can be when there's yeah. no defensive uh, specifications for those guys. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, next year I think is truly going to be the wild west. Oh, it's going to be yeah. so fun. Yeah, but yeah, Wander Franco is going to hit for a high average, and uh, I'll just say it. I, I think he'll end up winning the American League title there. I, I I think he's top three. I think I think this is a lock for top three. The, the hit tool is just absolutely there. It's insane. Um, I mean, outside of Soto, Wander, Trey Turner. I mean, like yeah. there's not a whole lot. Of, there's not a whole lot of guys out there that I'm talking like can be like a three twenty plus type hitter. Yeah, and like sure. that's what he can be. That's how good oh, yeah. he can be. All right, let's finish off with a fun one here because boy, what a debut for him on a new team, Carlos Rodon. In case you didn't see, he struck out a full dozen in his San Francisco debut. I mean, Whew. just absolute. And he, with with more velocity on the fastball, everything looked just stellar from that one. Boy, a lot of teams out there for a guy who signed a two-year, $44 million contract with an opt-out after one, uh, really <laughs> made an initial statement to say, hey, somebody pay me some money at the end of the season. So question to you, Chris. Carlos Rodon will lead the National League in strikeouts at the end of this year. Is that a real or an immediate overreaction? So the only reason I think it might be an overreaction is because we just haven't seen Carlos Rodon get the innings necessary to be in that category. If the question was Carlos Rodon will finish the year with the highest K-9, then yes, it's an absolutely real thing. I mean, his debut, he got – they against the Marlins again not a great lineup 48 swings 24 whiffs 50% of the swings were whiffs. CSW. that's yeah. that's nuts I mean that is just insane 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 stuff the only reason I'm going to say it's a slight overreaction is because I need to see him get into that 150 160 innings again because if he's at that 120 
you're going to have to strike out an awful lot of people to lead the National League. I just noticed, by the way, on our page that he's 15 to 1 for Cy Young. I think that's an excellent, excellent value play right now because his stuff is as good as any left-hander, not just in the National League, in all of baseball. Like he can miss bats with the absolute best of them. I'm just going to go slight overreaction because I don't think he's going to get enough innings. But if you ask K9, I'm all the way there with all due respect to Robbie Ray. And he's in the American League anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, so he's out of there anyways. <laughs> um, I will say that this is an overreaction for many of the reasons you said. Health is just a major issue. We just have not seen him be to touch 150-plus innings. Yeah. Also, the National League's got a lot of great strikeout pitchers. Like, I mean, yeah. just a lot of them. We're talking – I mean – between Scherzer, I mean, we're not going to get a full season to ground, but Scherzer and the three-headed monsters in Milwaukee and Wheeler yeah. and Nola, like there's a lot of really good starting. And yeah. we haven't even touched Walker Bueller or Rias or any of the, like all of these guys out there in the National League. I think it's incredibly tough to win the NL strikeout crown. And I think it's even tougher if you're unable to kind of lock in 180 plus innings like a lot of these other guys are going to do. I'm going to say this is an overreaction. But boy, I think there's so many teams out there that are kicking themselves after one game to say like, oh, we had 22 million in the pocket that we could have put <laughs> Carlos Rodon and we oh. didn't. And yeah, that's going to be a whole thing. So yeah. you know, the better, the better and better he looks uh, every game. The just the price tag at the end of the season, someone's going to pay him laughable money, regardless of his injury history. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just such a huge fan of the dude. Part of it is I just want it. All due respect to Corbin Burns and all to. those guys you mentioned, like I would just love to see it. Um, the one we didn't get to, well, let's just do really quickly, is yeah. Taylor Rogers and uh, who's the other pitcher? I'm sorry. Jordan uh, Romano. Taylor Rogers and Jordan Romano will lead the saves. I don't think it's an overreaction, mainly because I think Colorado, excuse me, I think San Diego just playing Colorado is going to get a lot of close wins. And I think Toronto – I think Jordan Romano is going to be on a team that just wins a lot of games. So I don't think it's an overreaction. I can absolutely see both leading their league in saves. Oh, I think this is absolutely real. I think this is absolutely real. I think there's a genuinely real good chance that both of these guys are reliever of the year in both of their respective leagues. I think they're going to sure. have such an op- I think they have the stuff. And more importantly, I think they have such an opportunity to rack up saves. And it's one of the reasons, mm-hmm. again, why I, I, I don't play the save card very early in my drafts more often than not because i think there is so much value that you can find a little bit later if you pick the right people i'm not willing to spend third round value on josh Hader when i can wait for jordan romano in the 12th like i think there's just reasons for this why and i think we're seeing it why i mean taylor rogers got traded on opening day or basically the (laughs) night before drafts were done and he was yeah. the Minnesota closer, and he went to the San Diego closer. Last yeah. year, Mark Melanson was not even a thing, and then he led the National League in saves and went undrafted in every single league. Like, you can find yeah. those guys early. I like that. But, yeah, no, I think it's 100% real. Jordan Romano looks excellent. Uh, Taylor Rogers looks excellent. Both those teams look like they're going to play a ton of close games and be on the victory side. So, yeah, I'm with yeah. that. And, by the way, just real quick, speaking of Minnesota, Joan Duran, go get Joan Duran right now. Holy mm-hmm. crap. That uh, probably the most impressive debut, uh, all due respect to Hunter Green and all of those guys, that splinker and the fact that he was touching 102 miles per hour with movement on his fastball. Holy crap. I think he's going to be fantasy relevant for a very long time. Is that right? So give me a, give me a name of someone that you drop over. Give me a, just so that people have a, 
give me something like a, a, a judgment point so that people have a, a gauge on it. So like all due respect to Garrett Whitlock, I'm probably dropping Garrett Whitlock for Joan Duran. Okay. Like that is just a guy who's drafted right around 200. I'd rather have Duran because he's going to miss more bats. And I think he's going to be the closer. Tyler Duffy really did not look good. And he's better built to be that middle relief type guy anyway. I think those type of your back end closers, like I'd rather have him than uh, Colabe. I'd rather have him than um, – Anybody on the Seattle Mariner roster, all due respect, we have no idea what's going on with the closer situation. I'm dropping all of those bottom – unless you've got like a guy who's like locked in top 15 closer, I'm picking up Duran for him. I am such a big believer in that stuff. Well, that just about finishes up our show for today. If you're eating what we're serving over here at Circling the Bases, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. Legend has it that five-star reviews for the show nearly guarantee a win for week one in those head-to-head matchups, wow. so get on it. Yeah. While you're at it, be sure to follow NBC Sports Edge on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch to be informed of all of our live shows so you can join in on the action. You can follow me on Twitter at Lie, and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in tomorrow as Chris invites Keith Law of The Athletic onto the pod to talk some prospects, so make sure you don't miss it. So until then, stay safe out there. And as always, thanks for the listen. Dom Smith has never made a mistake. Not an overreaction. Not an overreaction. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.